leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Though breakthroughs in the ability to read, write, and edit DNA have broad implications for healthcare, they are also fueling a far-reaching transformation of industries and laying the foundation for a new bioeconomy. The SynBioBeta conference, which has developed into a critical annual event for innovators and investors within the synthetic biology sector, will be held in San Francisco October 3rd through October 5th. We spoke to John Cumbers, founder of SynBioBeta, about trends within synthetic biology, key drivers and challenges for the sector, and why companies in all industries today need to begin crafting their own bio-strategies. John, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Danny. We're going to talk about synthetic biology, the upcoming SynBio Beta Conference in San Francisco, and, and a book you've just written, What's Your Bio Strategy? Let's start with the synthetic biology itself. This is a term that's widely used, but often with varying meaning. For listeners who may not be familiar with the term, what do you consider synthetic biology? I use the definition of trying to make biology easier to engineer. What do you mean by that? Well, if you look at any uh, mature engineering discipline, uh, let's say software engineering, um, it's gone through these periods in time where really the practitioners of it were really just coming from another discipline. Software engineering, for example, typically either came out of physics departments at universities or it came out of mathematics departments uh, at universities or it came out of engineering departments at at universities, but when you look back at the beginning of the field, um, what were the what were the practitioners of software engineering actually doing? Well, you could look back at software engineering fields uh, in the sixties and and see them moving punch cards around and putting them into computers and getting printouts again on, on, on paper cardboard punch cards. Um, that was the process of software engineering. Um, there have been various um, infrastructure improvements in our ability. To engineer software, um, you could see that um, certainly having a, not having punch cards and being able to store those programs in memory was a pretty uh, foundational improvement. You could say uh, object-oriented programming, the ability to uh, to not just write one long line of, of code, linear programming, but to then put your code into different objects and be able to come up with a structure, which was a huge uh, boom invented by uh, the computer scientist Alan Kay. Um, so these are kind of foundational advances that make software easier to engineer. 
That is what we're trying to do with biology, with biotechnology, with genetic engineering, is look for these common core principles of how we can engineer biology and ultimately with the goal to make biology easier to engineer. Well, there have been significant and rapid advances made in sequencing and our ability to read and analyze DNA, but also in our ability to manipulate and synthesize and edit DNA and, and now AI. Where do you see the, the biggest gains in recent years? The biggest gains in the synthetic biology industry are coming from two core technologies. The first is sequencing, reading DNA, and the second is synthesis, that is writing DNA. These are not new technologies. I think uh, both were invented by Fred Sanger in, I think, 1960, 63. Oh, now I'm blanking on my history. I was in the 60s or the 70s that phosphorylamide chemistry was was uh, for, for, for combining two nucleotides together. Um, and, uh, and, of course, Sanger sequencing the, uh, the, uh, the sequencing, the reading of DNA. Um, but what's new is the, is the fall in price of being able to read and write DNA. You're very familiar with DNA sequencing. You can now get your whole genome sequenced for a few hundred dollars. Um, people are probably less familiar with the cost of DNA synthesis and that that's falling on a trajectory that's much faster than Moore's law. Um, and it's halving every 18 months or so. Well, at the same time, do you see specific challenges holding back the growth of the industry? Well, the challenges that are, that are holding back the industry are really based on these, uh, on these principles that I, that I talked about trying to make biology easier to engineer. So if you look back at what we were trying to do with computers and, 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 uh, and other advanced forms of engineering, electronic engineering, software engineering, information engineering, uh, a lot of the challenges come from making it reproducible, automating it, standardizing it, and, and, and particularly in the, in the case of biology, being able to measure uh, what's happening inside of a cell. So I think all of those things are, are, are challenges, uh, and we're making headway in a lot of them. We're making biology more reproducible. We're automating it more. We're making it more standardized. Um, and we're able to measure um, at the genetic or the transcription or the, or the, or the translational level uh, what's actually happening inside of a cell much better than we, than we could do just, just five years ago. One of the persistent challenges seems to be manufacturing when you move to an industrial scale. While the products of synthetic biology include human therapeutics, where there's not a lot of high sensitivity to manufacturing cost, as you spread applications across industries, manufacturing costs can be a point of great sensitivity. Are you seeing any major innovation in manufacturing? How much of a barrier do you see this to holding back the commercial growth of the industry? I think we've been through these various phases of the of the industry, you know, and, and whether you call it bioprocessing or you call it uh, industrial biotechnology, um, fermentation and scale up has been the the, the curse of, of our industry for, for many years now. Um, if you look at Terravia that just declared bankruptcy last week, um, if you look at Amaris, which is doing phenomenally well, but uh, and, and have managed to scale a number of products, but you wouldn't uh, be able to tell that from its, its, its uh, stock price. Um, so uh, scale-up continues to be the, the major issue. And um, again, the, the, so, okay, 
part of that is because biology is really complicated. Cells interact in, in, in colonies, there's quorum sensing around them, and what works in a test tube and what works in a, in a 500 uh, liter reactor doesn't work in a, in a 600,000 liter reactor. But the reality is that because there's been a few, there have been few resources spent on the foundational principles of scale-up engineering for biotechnology, um, that we haven't learned how to do it very well. And all of those secrets are trade secrets. So there's very little uh, academic research in, in scaling up to a 600,000 reactor because that's not an academic uh, project. Uh, there's a lot of industrial money that goes into it, but unfortunately, every time there's, learned, there's something that's learned, it's not published and it's kept as a trade secret. So that's a great example of one of the problems in the industry and also how focusing on some of these foundational things reproducibility, automation, standardization, measurement, um, offer a, a way to really uh, have the industry excel uh, if you can focus on these right areas in terms of what are the challenges in scale-up. Well, as you prepare for the 6th SynBio Beta Conference in San Francisco, October 3rd to October 5th, how has the growth and investment been, and, and where do you see money going? Yeah, great question. There has been a continued growth and in investment in the synthetic biology field. We we send out a weekly newsletter that I think you're signed up to, and we just put out our, uh, our second quarter update, over half a billion dollars raised in the field uh, in the first six months of 2017. Um, last year, there was over a billion dollars. The year before that, $800 million. The year before that, $500 million. So uh, there's been a huge amount of investment going on, um, and it continues to to grow, there, even though there's been a general slowdown in investment in the tech sector, um, we haven't seen a slowdown in investment in the synthetic biology sector. Talk about synthetic biology as an industry, but in, in some way that's a bit of a construct. This is a, a technology that can cut across industries. Where do you think the shift from chemical to biological manufacturing processes will make the biggest impact in, in, in the shorter term? That's a good question. Um, and it's not something that I'm an expert on, uh, but many of the companies out there really have very sophisticated um, economic models. Um, one of them in particular is LIGO um, in, uh, in Berkeley. Um, another is Vistolis, um, a new company that's just coming out of the Florence Berkeley Accelerator Cyclotron Road. Um, Amaris, Ginkgo, Zymogen. Uh, you should probably get them on your show if they'll, if they'll reveal their secrets in terms of, of where the biggest uh, impact molecules are that, that you're going uh, to see really move the needle in terms of commercialization. Well, when you look at big industrial manufacturers, how tuned in are they to synthetic biology today? Are they making strategic investments? Are they active in R&D? Have they actually incorporated it into any manufacturing processes? Well, I think some of them are certainly the the. Uh, I don't know if you're referring to the traditional bio industries or you're referring to the new one. Um, I guess they're both they're both making uh, investments in this. I'm I'm, uh, I'm thinking of, of the large scale industrial companies uh, across industries. That uh, also, can you give me an example? The Duponts of the world, um, GMs. Well, yeah, I would, yeah, Fortune five hundred. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to use DuPont as an example because I visited their Palo Alto facility just last week uh, and was speaking to them about this. And there's, um, I mean, they're, 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 I think they're hitting it out of the park, particularly with their um, 
their cellulosic ethanol plant that they opened, I think, two or three years ago in Nevada, Iowa. Um, and, you know, they, they're using engineered yeast to, to produce biofuel um, from the non-corn, uh, uh, from the non-food-based uh, corn waste. So I think they're doing phenomenally well in it, and they've got a number of new products that they've had in the market. Sarona is another one that they've produced, the, the, uh, the material. Um, so I think they're definitely tuned into this, and they have been for a while. They have a great research and development team down there. Um, what I think is most interesting is some of these non-traditional bio companies that are coming in. Um, we ran an event called Consumer Bio a couple of years ago in San Francisco, and we were bringing in you know, consumer electronics companies, we were bringing in fashion labels, we were bringing in new food and fragrance companies, and really giving them an introduction to this to this wonderful world of, of biology. Uh, we did a little training course for them to give them, help them understand what is the gene, what is the protein, how do they relate to each other. Um, and new business came out of that meeting for a lot of the companies that were present because they're interacting with them. You know, we're, we're reaching out and saying, hey, these are new technologies, these are new products that you can make. Um, and that's really where the, uh, that's actually where the title of the book was born. It was Jason Kelly from, from Ginkgo Bioworks who put it on the, on the, on his slide. He said, what's your bio strategy? Because every company needs one. And if you don't have one, you're not going to be around for the next 10, 20, 30 years. Well, let's talk about that. You, you do have a book coming out. What's your bio strategy from synthetic biology to CRISPR? Why your industry must evolve to be disrupted or be disrupted. Forgive me. What's the argument for companies to take this technology serious and, and develop a bio strategy? I think the argument is to show them more law um, and to then compare it to the cost of reading DNA and the cost of writing DNA synthesis, and then to show them some of these examples of new products that are being made um, via these technologies, whether it's mushroom furniture that's being grown by Ecovative in New York or if it's a uh, kid's toy that's made of dinoflagellates that are going to uh, glow in the dark in your, in, your, in, your, in your kid's bedroom, which is a company down in San Diego called Biopop. Um, or if it's, a, if it's a silk spider, a spider silk tie made by bolt threads in Emeryville. I mean, you just show them these examples and their jaws drop, and then you show them these cost curves of how we're making biology easier to engineer. It's happening faster, it's happening better, it's happening cheaper. And then you ask them, what's your bio strategy? Or if you if you hold up a copy of uh, of you know the report on the death of Kodak um, because of the rise of Instagram, um, or you hold up you know you you, you hold up a, a, a book called What's Your Mobile Strategy or uh, What's Your Internet Strategy or What's Your AI Strategy? These are all fundamental questions that every company knows that they've got to have one um, because every company is a, 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 an internet company now. Literally, every company has 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 some presence on the internet and is doing business. Uh, through the internet, and if they're not, then they're they're theaters or they're, you know they're 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 going out of business. Um, so I think that's a very I think uh, it, it's definitely a real threat that if companies don't understand what's happening in 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 the world of biology, then they really are going to be disrupted. And we haven't found an industry yet that we can't say is going to be disrupted because of biology. Well, what's planned for this year's conference, and are there some highlights to point to, or any themes you expect to emerge? Yeah, there's a few highlights. Um, I've, uh, one of my keys to getting really amazing speakers at the San Francisco event is persistence. And so for the last, uh, I think three years, I've invited George Church 
and uh, and this year he uh, he's able to include it on the on his uh, calendar. So we have a, an amazing fireside chat with George Church. Um, there's a couple of topics that he might be talking about, and uh, I'm holding back who his uh, fireside chat uh, uh, partner is because it's going to be a, a pretty big name, and uh, and I'll be glad to share that with you near the time. Uh, or if people want to find out, they can find out from mailing list, and we'll we'll send that out in our weekly digest. But uh, so George Church alone is, is a pretty phenomenal uh, speaker for the event. Um, we also have Lindy Fishburn. Uh, Lindy's one of my favorite investors in the field. She is from uh, Breakout Labs, that's Peter Thiel's uh, early stage innovation fund. Uh, she's on the investor panel. Um, Karen Kerr from GE, GE Ventures. GE's uh, looking at synthetic biology and very interested in this space. She's going to be joining her on the investor panel. And uh, one of my favorite investors uh, is Jenny Rook um, from uh, Five Prime Capital. So I'm pretty excited about uh, about having her on stage. And so the investor panel is looking really good. And that's sponsored by Alexandra Real Estate and chaired by Monica Beam, uh, who's in the San Francisco office. So I think the investor panel is going to be good. Uh, some of the other keynotes include um, Neil um, from Okanagan Specialty Fruit. And uh, Neil has developed the, the non-browning apple, which you probably heard about. That's, uh, that's the apple that's had the uh, the gene that produces the, the brown pigment when you cut it open and removed from it. And uh, right after Neil's talk, we're going to be um, uh, we're going to be giving out some of those apples that people can people can taste. Um, one of the other highlights, which uh, which I'm pretty excited about, uh, is uh, I believe that Intrexon is going to be bringing back to the clone dog the in BioBeta. Um, and this is a Viagen, the pet company that Intrexon acquired um, a few years ago. Um, and they're doing animal cloning. So I think for, for fifteen thousand dollars, you can you can get a um, you can get your uh, your pet dog cloned. So you can meet back to take a photo with him at Symbiobeta this year. And is there is there a takeaway you'd hope people leave the conference with? I, I, I'm not sure if I if I have a takeaway that I want them to leave the conference with. I think people leave the conference completely fired up about the future and completely fired up about uh, this uh, this generation of entrepreneurs that are that are you know, but dare to think that they can make furniture from mushrooms or dare to think that they can have a, uh, a kid's toy um, from dinoflagellates. And not even just dare to think, these, both of those products are, are, are in the stores and, and make it revenue. They're, they're, they're out there. So uh, I think um, I think that it's great when um, when new people come to the conference and they see what's happening in the industry and they see entrepreneurs who are doing what. Silicon Valley has been doing best with tech over the last 30 years and, and creating amazing new companies. And, you know, I'm talking to you on an amazing phone and I'm looking at an amazing computer. And I think people leave our conferences just like with these wide eyes about what, what the future holds. And, and I think, Danny, you and I have, uh, have been following, you know, just in general the field of biology for, for long enough that we know uh, that we ain't seen nothing yet. In terms of what's coming down the line and what we're going to be able to do with this technology and the exciting things, and this is just the beginning. And each each conference we do just gets us more and more excited about the future. The SynBio Beta Conference will be at the Mission Bay Conference Center in San Francisco, October 3rd through 5th. Information can be found at synbiobeta.com. John Cumbers, founder of SynBioBeta. John, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for having me, Danny. I appreciate it.
Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.